Welcome, baseball family, to this week's episode of the Baseball Together Podcast. Today, I have your July MLB News Dump. Nine Plus Us presents the Baseball Together Podcast with your hosts, Blackjack Brad and Kansas City Little Big Briggy Blue Eyes. And now, Baseball Together. Welcome, baseball family, to this week's episode of the Baseball Together Podcast. My name is Brad, and I'm going to be flying solo this week. Brig is out. He is on vacation, doing vacation things for as long as he pleases. And uh, when he decides to return, he is always, of course, welcome back with open arms, and I look forward to that day. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, um, quite a bit of news to get into today. Like I said, today is our July MLB news dump, so we're going to get into just MLB news today. So let's get started. Here we go. First things first, this weekend, the Baseball Hall of Fame inducted its latest class into the museum, if you will, and we had Scott Rowland and Fred McGriff inducted. Um, At first, I wasn't real sure about Scott Rowland, uh, but looking at his numbers, looking at his career, I'm like, yeah, he's a Hall of Famer. Fred McGriff, I said before that I thought that he would benefit a lot from playing for those great Braves teams, but he was as good as I remember him being as a kid. There's a reason I was a huge Fred McGriff fan because he was amazing. He was he was the guy, right? So, um, so congratulations to both of these guys. Let's go back through. I just wanted to go back through and highlight their careers just to so we could see. I guess get a better picture of why they are exactly Hall of Famers. So first things first, Scott Rowland. Let's talk about him. I say first things first a lot. I'm noticing anyway. First first guy, let's talk about Scott Rowland. Let's highlight his career. He won a Rookie of the Year. He was a seven-time All-Star, eight-time Gold Glover. He won one Silver Slugger, and he was on the 2006 World Series winning Cardinals. Um, some other things of note, he finished top five in MVP voting in 2004 with the Cardinals. Um, sometimes we see guys who finish top four or five in MVP voting, and we just think, oh, top four or five. But you gotta you gotta remember, like the guy who wins the MVP is the is the best in the league, right, for the year. So I mean, it's among all the players you've got at the time twenty five guys across fifteen teams, fourteen fifteen teams in that year in the National League, right? So probably fifteen, maybe even sixteen. I think that was before the Ast that was before the Astros came over to the American League. And I'm not gonna do the math, but that's a lot of guys. And for you to be named the best among them, or even the best. Five among them, that's a big deal that that's significant. So I think that I think I'm going to be taking that into more consideration when I look at guys in their Hall of Fame ballot or their Hall of Fame resume. Um, Did they have one or more years where they were among the best five players in the league? So I think that's a really big deal. Something that I th- looked at that I thought was really cool with both of these guys, uh, Scott Rowland made his debut on August 1st, 1996. He was age 21, and he played his last game on October 3rd, 2012 at age 37. That is a long and solid career. That is absolutely amazing to be around and be consistent and a regular for that long. I absolutely love it. Um, so those of you who keep in track, 17-year career, and during that time he played for the Phillies, Cardinals, Blue Jays, and Reds. Now let's move on to Fred McGriff. Uh, he was a five-time All-Star. three time. He was a three-time Silver Slugger. He was an All-Star Game MVP, and he was part of the 1995 World Series winning Braves. Um, other things of note, he finished top 10 in the MVP voting six times. Right? Never won one. He won the All-Star Game MVP, which, you know, 
be the best among the best for a day is pretty awesome. But top 10 in MVP voting six times is awesome. He led the National League in home runs in, no, not the National League. He led the American League in home runs in 80, in 1989 and 1992 playing with the Blue Jays. Um, he debuted May 17th, 1986 with the Blue Jays. He played his last game uh, July 15th. That might have been August 15th. I don't know. Anyway. In 2004, because he played the last, he played his last game. He played with the Tampa Bay Devil Rays at the time. Now the Rays, for those of you who might not know or not keeping track, that's a 19-year career with the Blue Jays, Padres, Blaves, the Braves, Devil Rays, Cubs, and Dodgers. And for your G Wiz file, that's ten, he spent 10 years in each league in the AL, 10 years in the NL, but no more than five years with any team. Thought that was really interesting that uh, he kind of moved around quite a bit. So um, there's your, your 2023 Hall of Fame class, Fred McGriff and Scott Rowland. Congratulations to those guys. I'm not going to get into the next year's ballot because I'm going to save that for Brig for whenever he decides to come back from vacation. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about the trade deadline. Um, we are a week away from the trade deadline. Rumors are really heating up, but there has been very little to materialize. Um, the Orioles did trade for a reliever Shintaro Fujiyami from the A's. That is an excellent addition for them. This guy is going to fit in perfectly for them. Uh, he has struggled a little bit with the A's, but who hasn't struggled in Oakland this year, really? Uh, it's not a, not a great situation for a lot of guys. I think that I think this is a great situation for him. He doesn't have to be in there in higher leverage situations uh, in games, and he can just come in and he can – Whole lead. He can eat some innings if he needs to. He can fill a lot of different roles for the Orioles uh, without having to be a setup man or a closer. Um, great move. Great move for the Orioles. I, I like it a lot. Other than that, I read today that it doesn't seem like they're planning on making any other moves, which I think is interesting. Um, but I, as I was thinking about it more, is that if they made any more moves, that mean that they were probably getting better, and I don't think that's what management wants, right? <laughs> can't be having that when your team is trying to like, when you got one owner who's trying to move the team to nashville or whatever it is that they're trying to do i don't know it's a real life major league situation and they're playing it out uh the, this orioles team is legitimate we'll get to them a little bit more later um the pirates uh, have said that they're going to be listening to offers for closer david j bednar he is a free agent and not a free agent until 2027 so he's got a lot of control left on that contract going to be very enticing to a lot of teams that need some pitching. Um, the raid, the Rays, I almost said the raids, the Reds today said that they would be willing to trade Jonathan India for some pitching again, control through 20. These won't be a free agent until 2027. Uh, that is a big deal. And when I saw that, I was like, Jerry DePoto, get on the phone with your old buddy, Nick crawl. Uh, for those of you who don't know, as a vice president and GM of the Reds and, these two teams have a history, especially in the last like three years of making a ton of deals with one another. Um, I would love for the Mariners to bring over Jonathan India, a long-term solution at second base. Um, 2021 rookie, of the NL rookie of the year. I know he's a little bit streaky and, but man, I would love to have that dude at second base. I really would. I think I've said that before. I'm a huge Jonathan Jonathan India fan. Um, 
to have him in Seattle for the next three years would be absolutely unreal. That would be so awesome. Uh, like I said, solution to second base because that's just been a revolving door the last couple of years and has not been a good situation. But to have the consistency of a guy who can field, a guy who can hit, he doesn't have to hit for power. If he hits for average, and he hits, if he hits doubles and drives in runs, I'm here for it. I am here for it. Don't even bat him lead off. Put him in like fourth or fifth in the order. And it'll be awesome. It'll be really great to have India in that lineup if they can make that deal. Because as we all know, there is a ton of pitching that the Mariners can deal and and not get rid of anybody at the big league level. And even if they do get rid of somebody at the big league level, they can just slot somebody else in from the minors to take that guy's spot. Because this the Mariner system is so deep with pitching, it is absolutely bananas. So I want to see that deal done, Mariners. Get it done. Um Teams are interested in trading for Justin Verlander, specifically the Giants is what I saw. He has one more year on his deal. I think a lot of a lot of teams would love to have him around um, this year's struggles and everything up and down. I, I think, I don't know, it's tough. Because I said last year, Justin Verlander coming off of Tommy John wasn't going to have a good year. He had a killer year. And this year he's been up and down. I don't know. It, I don't know if I'd be willing to trade what the Mets are looking for to get Justin Verlander, but that's just me. Um, speaking of pitching, there are some quality, I guess you could say, pitching rentals uh, who could be traded in the next week. Here's your list of guys who honestly <laughs> would could go to any team and immediately make them better. Obviously, Shohei Otani, right? He is your top target. He's the best player in the league. If you can trade for Otani, you've got yourself a unicorn, and you automatically boost your odds of winning the World Series. Max Scherzer, yes, he has one more year on his deal, but that is a player option year in 2024. So if he comes in and he helps you win a World Series or helps you make a run, then he's then it he could potentially walk, and he probably will. He'll go test the free agent market. He's 38, and he can get another, another couple years out of somebody with Scott Boris as his agent. Boris will probably tell him to walk, to be honest. Um, you've also got Blake Snell, Marcus Stroman, another guy who has a player option for 2024, Jordan Montgomery, Josh Hader, Jack Flaherty, David Robertson, Lance Lynn. I think Lance Lynn would be a really interesting one for a lot of teams, uh, coming in and just basically being like a mercenary, (laughs) right? The, uh, last year of his deal, that would be really interesting to see Michael Lorenzen, uh, he played some outfield for the Reds a couple years ago. He was kind of a two-way player. I don't know if anybody's going to want to use him that way again, but it'd be interesting to see if somebody did. If they brought him. The, the Tigers have not been doing that with him this year, but uh, keep an eye on that. It'd be interesting. Um, Jordan Hicks, Crazy Joe Kelly. He has a team option for 2024, so anybody could bring him in and then just send him on his way after the season, and I don't think any hurt feelings would be hurt. So there's that. Um, and then there's Brent Suter as well. So I don't think honestly that it's likely that any of these guys get traded for Jonathan India. Just be, and I just want to bring this up just because uh, I talked about how the Reds are looking for pitching because Jonathan India, I feel like is the guy you're going to bring in to try to win next year or the year after, right? He's not a solution for this year. And actually, I don't know, maybe he will, maybe, maybe the Mets are like, Jonathan India is the perfect solution for us in our infield. I don't know. I don't know if that's the case, right? Um, you know, because they've got some issues and they're going to have to clear some guys out, I think. Maybe maybe the Padres decide they want to bring him in and have him play infield for him. I don't know. But I don't 
I don't think any of these teams are going to make a deal for India. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see though. If, and you know what? Maybe he will. Maybe these teams. Maybe. Maybe it'll be the Cardinals who are like, yeah, we could use him. But I, I don't think so. Um, anyway. So there are some rental pitchers who are going to be out on the market and probably making moves over the next week or so. Okay, we had a couple of really big series over the weekend. They're very exciting, a lot of fun to watch. We talked going into the weekend about the Orioles and Rays. Let's talk about this first. Okay. So first off, the Orioles won this series. They won it three games to one, four-game set. They won Thursday four to three. They lost Friday three to zero. And it's like, oh shoot, this could be a split. And then on Saturday, they won six to five. And then coming in Sunday, they won that one five to three. Clinched the series. Like I said, three games to one. Obviously, it doesn't have the same impact as a playoff series. Nobody's getting eliminated. But it is a big deal too. You try to win as many series as you can throughout the year because you're not going to win all your games. So you so I like to go by series. Um and to beat the Rays three out of four in Tampa Bay in St. Petersburg, that's a big deal with the way the Rays have played this year. Um, these, but these teams are trending in opposite directions. I was really curious because it felt like it, that was the case, and so I did some did some digging and found some numbers for you guys. The Orioles since the All Star break are seven and three. This weekend improved their record against teams over five hundred to thirty nine and twenty nine. I feel like that's a big deal is that you can clean up and you can take it to teams with a record under 500 to pad your to pad your record but if you can't beat teams with the winning record you're not going to go anywhere you will get to the playoffs and you will be done the fact that the Orioles are 10 games over 500 to get just against teams over 500 is a huge deal i think that is really big for the Orioles the Rays on the other hand they are 3 and 7 since coming out of the All-Star break Four and fourteen in July with a minus nineteen run differential, and I did look at their uh, record against teams over five hundred. They are only four games over five hundred against teams with a record over five hundred. So they're still beating good teams, but just not at the same clip that the Orioles are, which I think is a big deal. Is going to play a significant role in the second half and especially into late August into September. I was I said it a few weeks ago. I need to go back and find that. I think it was on. Uh, on an emoji tears episode where uh, I said that I didn't think the Rays are going to win this division, that the Orioles are going to catch them and happen sooner than I thought, but I don't know that the Orioles are going to look back. Uh, it could be their division to take from here on out. Um, after the weekend going into Monday, the Orioles are up two games on the Rays in the American league East. They're on top. And like I said, I don't think they're going to look back. This Orioles team is really good. They're going to get Cedric Mullins back here probably in a few weeks. Um, I didn't see any timeline, anything like that. But I would imagine he'll be back before the end of August. Um, it's pure speculation. <laughs> pure speculation. I have nothing to go off of other than the fact that uh, I think I saw that he couldn't. He could return, I think, on the 16th of august so maybe it'll be after maybe it'll be like a week after that but anyway pure speculation like i said next series let's talk about the diamondbacks and the reds this did not go <laughs> hardly at all how i thought it would it did on sunday just a little bit but we'll get to that in a minute the reds swept this series they swept the diamondbacks right out of the great american ballpark unreal um the score on friday night was nine to six saturday was four to two and then sunday 
the Reds took it to the Diamondbacks seven to three. I know it's only a four run game, but still, with the other two being two and three runs, four runs feels like quite a bit, especially since some of those runs came in late. Um, the Diamondbacks are heading in the wrong direction. That's the problem we have in Arizona right now. And I know I'm wearing a Diamondback shirt. I am only a fan by way of being local. I'm always a Mariners fan. Um, but I will cheer for the Diamondbacks just because I'd like to see the local team do well. Um, the Diamondbacks' last 10 games, they're 2-8. and eight. They lost four in a row. Uh, three to the Diamondbacks, or three, sorry, three to the Reds. And I can't remember who that last one was against. But anyway, uh, overall, they're 26 and 31 against teams with a record over 500. And nine of those games have come, nine of those last 10 games have been since the All Star break, two and seven. And five and 12 in July with a minus 27 run differential. That is not good. Not good at all. The Diamondbacks need to find some pitching in the next week or things are going to continue to spiral. It's not going to go well, and they're going to end up missing the playoffs. They are up, I want to say, a half a game in the wild card right now, I believe. Um, but that'll just get worse if they don't find any pitching. They've got to find a way to hold a lead. They can get a lead, get pretty good offense, but you got to be able to hold that lead. So um, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to. I don't know if they're going to do it. I don't know if they're going to find the pitching that they need, but they really should. They're going to have to go out and find somebody uh, and bring them in to, uh, to be competitive down the stretch. Um, the Diamondbacks are looking to get back on track this week. They've got the Cardinals in coming at the beginning of the week, and then the Mariners this weekend. I'm very excited. I will be there. Like Briggs said, like I, said, I did say, very excited. <laughs> very excited. I'll be there Friday and Saturday. Um, if you come find me, I'll buy a hot dog. Sound good? Okay. Um, the Cardinals have lost three in a row. Lost three in a row to the Cubs. And the Mariners, they beat – I mean, they won the series against the Blue Jays this weekend. So riding high right now. They know what's at stake. They're going to have to win a lot down the stretch to make the playoffs. But it seems like they're playing with a renewed vigor since the, um, since the Jared Kelnick injury where he kicked the water cooler and broke his foot. Um, that's it's interesting to see that something like that would energize this team and get them to play with a renewed energy this at this point in the season. But it seems like that's what happened. Um, so a couple things for you. First off, did you take the black the blackjack Brad black flag pick of the week on third from Thursday night? If you weren't there to get it, um. I'm, I'm just curious if anybody took this, if anybody took this, because I said on Sunday that I said that on Sunday, Corbin Carroll would homer, right? And then I said, if you want to build your parlay, the Reds are going to win this game. So, it's, so take Corbin Carroll to homer, the Reds to win money line. And they did. They both had, I'm curious if anybody took that and cashed in. So reach out through the mailbag or through in the, YouTube comments or social media, wherever, let me know because I'm really curious if anybody took that and cashed in because that was pretty awesome. Last thing about the Reds, the Reds are 28 and 13 since uh, Ellie De La Cruz's debut on June 6th. Coincidence? I don't know, but they've been hot, been absolutely red hot. Okay, before we keep going, I want to tell you about Versus Game. Just like just now, baseball family, we want to know what you think about what's going on. I want to know. If you took that, if you took that bet, 
I want to know what you think about some of the things I'm talking about. I'm going to get some of these. I'm going to make a poll or a trivia question. I'm going to put it on versus game. That's right. We have teamed up with versus game to bring you games where you can actually make money. That's right. Real money, dollar dollar bills. If you're on the winning side of a poll or a trivia question, or you get a prediction poll, right? Um, you can play for free. You can buy ticket bundles to win more money faster and play against other listeners and versus game users. So head over to btpod.onversus.com on your mobile browser, because that's the best way that it's set up to work and sign up and play polls and trivia games. Again, that's btpod.onversus.com to sign up and play versus game with us. Okay. Now let's get into some, we just got a couple more things to wrap up here before we get going. Um, Let's talk about weekend sweeps. I love looking at these. It's really interesting to see the teams that do get swept because I feel like one of the things that you see a lot throughout the year, there's a couple trends that I've noticed. One of them is that when a team gets blown out, they come out the next day and they'll win. It happened with the Tigers this weekend. They got blown out on Saturday. They came back and they won. They beat the Padres on Sunday. I was not expecting that to happen, even though I should have, even though because <laughs> I think I pointed this out to Brig a couple weeks ago. Anyway, uh, and the other thing is that if a team is on the brink of getting swept on Sunday, they'll come out and win. A lot of times, I feel like that's that's why we don't see nearly as many sweeps. Because if a team is about to get swept, they will kind of fight and claw even more to come out there and, and not get swept and win that last game in the series. But these are the teams that were not able to do that. That were able that were actually swept. We talked about the Diamondbacks and the Reds. The Yankees swept the Royals. This was expected, but I still feel like the Yankees really needed this one. They needed this big time as a confidence booster uh, to try to get things back on track because things are not going well in New York right now. Anthony Rizzo homer for the first time since May 20th. That was back. That was against the Reds back when the Reds were bad. That's how long ago that was. Uh, another one. This is a bad one for the Giants. The Giants got swept by the Nats. It's not a good look for the Giants. Uh, if you're trying to keep pace with even the Diamondbacks in the NL West, you cannot be getting swept by the Nats at all. The Nats have been on a little bit of a heater lately. They took a couple from the Mariners, and they somebody else they beat last week. Anyway, the Nats have been on a little bit of a heater lately. So look out for them if they're on your schedule, because I'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs. They're not going to make a run and make the wild card or anything, but they're going to make a lot of people really unhappy <laughs> over the next month and a half. I think um, maybe even two months as things progress through the end of the season, uh, look out. And then the other one, the other sweep we had, we had the twins over the white Sox. The twins are now five games over 500 and they lead. They have a three game lead in the AL central. I'm curious if that will hold how long that three-game lead will hold over uh, Cleveland's baseball team and uh, how long they'll be able to stay over 500 because they've been really up and down this year. I don't know if they found their stride or if it's just playing against the White Sox who've kind of checked out, it seems like. All right, a couple things before we get out of here. Let's let's talk injuries. Have a few brief injury updates, some notable injuries that we've been tracking, Uh, some of them for a while, some of them over the last few weeks or even days. Let's talk first Aaron judge I would say is the most notable injury on this list um, he's been out for several weeks with uh, an injured toe he sprained his toe torn ligament and uh, collision with the wall in Los Angeles against the Dodgers uh, he will be out until at least July 28th he took some batting practice over the weekend um, but he says that he's not expecting to be pain-free this season when he comes back which 
I know Yankee fans, you don't want that, right? Like, oh no, Aaron Judge, he's going to be a shell of himself. He's going to be playing injured this whole time. But there is some good news to this, I feel like. There's a couple things. First off, the Yankees really need Aaron Judge in that lineup. Apparently way more than anybody ever thought, right? Because it seems like the rest of those guys forgot how to play when Judge got hurt. As a Trailblazers fan, I think back when somebody talks about playing pain-free or not, I think back to Greg Oden. We all remember Greg Oden, tremendous injury bust for the Blazers. Should have taken Durant instead. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, uh, we won't get into that because this, this is not a basketball podcast. But one of the times he was rehabbing a knee injury, one of the beat reporters asked him, he said, when do you think you'll be back? And he said, when I'm pain-free. It's like, dude, that's not how this works. Like, I understand. It would be in a perfect world, yeah, you can wait till you're pain-free. But in the middle of the season, nobody's pain-free, right? Like, especially, I mean, everybody playing every single day, playing baseball for this long every single day, I doubt there's anybody in that clubhouse who is 100% absolutely certain that they're pain-free. Nobody. I doubt it, right? So... For Judge to say that he doesn't plan on being pain-free, that he's going to come back anyway, I think is good news that you can get him back up in the lineup because, like I said, apparently they really, really need him, even if he's 85% of himself because 85% of Aaron Judge is 100% for most guys in this league. So I think that's good news for the Yankees. Jared Kelnick uh, for the Mariners. Um, we talk about strange or stupid injuries all the time, right? And this one is Kelnick kicked the water cooler after a strikeout last week and uh, he fractured his foot. So he's going to be out for several weeks. He'll be out until at least August 18th. Um, this is the interesting thing about this is that if this had happened last year, I would not have at all been surprised. Like, Oh, he went and he just took his foot to it and didn't hit it with his bat. Um, but this year he's done a really good job of keeping his cool, controlling his emotions uh, last year. Not so much. He's really a hothead. And I think his ability to control his emotions has gone a long way toward him having a much, a much better year than what he had last year or the year before. Um, but I did, I will say that I did say, be like, be normal, man. Hit it with your bat, not kick it with your foot. So I don't know. It's, it's a bummer because he was having a really great year. He was very upset about having to miss time. He said that he let his team down, let everybody down, was really upset that he couldn't keep his composure and went in and kicked the water cooler. So uh, hopefully he comes back and he has a renewed sense of I don't know, vigor. I don't know if that's the word, but hopefully he comes back and we get Mariners fans call him September JK uh, because he is a completely different animal in September than he is the rest of the season. So I'd love to see September JK the middle of August when he comes back and then he goes on a tear and leads this team to playoff. Uh, the end of the season but i don't i don't know what's gonna happen i don't know if he'll even make that that date or if it'll be after that but hopefully he makes it back to to play the rest of the season trevor's story had elbow surgery over the offseason so he has not played at all this year haven't really talked much about him um, but he is currently rehabbing in triple a uh, so he has i think a couple weeks left on his rehab assignment and he could be back possibly before the middle of August, from what I read. Uh, I don't know if that will necessarily happen, but there's potential there because he's only got 20 days for a uh, rehab assignment. So at that point, he's either going to go back on the IL or he's going to come up with the Red Sox. So he could really be 
a helpful piece for the Red Sox if they're still in the wild card hunt at that point and then can really push them through the end of the season. They could really use his bat in the lineup. Speaking of somebody who's missing a bat missing from the lineup, Mike Trout uh, has he broke his hamate bone in his hand. He had it removed, which I thought was crazy. Uh, he, he broke that bone swinging his bat on July 3rd, I believe it was. Um, but they said that he's been throwing. They don't have a timetable yet for his return because he can't swing a bat yet because his hand is still swollen. So it could be a little while before we see Mike Trout again this year and, uh, and get him uh, going into, uh, into the Angels lineup. And I think that's part of the reason, the biggest reason why the Angels are talking selling Otani because without Trout in the lineup, they don't feel like they have much of a shot at making the playoffs. And uh, I think they're right, honestly. They're on a little bit of a hot stretch right now, but I don't think it's sustainable. you got to have Mike Trout in that lineup to help. Um, and with him being a big question mark at this point, they are probably going to have to get rid of Otani at the trade deadline next week. Um, but anyway, okay. Let's talk fantasy. Week 15 fantasy baseball matchup. Start at the bottom here. We've got the Harrisburg Charlies. That is John. He was the host of our of the District Baseball Together podcast going up against Denise, the host of the North Chicago Baseball Together podcast. Denise won this one big time. She won 599 to 338. Sorry, Denise's team name is Grace Under Fire. I don't know if I mentioned that or not. But she had the top score for this week. She had Freddie Freeman, and John's top score was K-Bear Ruiz. K-Bear Ruiz scored 69 points, and Freddie Freeman scored 106. And then our next matchup, we had Burns Turner Overdrive. That's Tori, and we had Jason, not another fantasy not another fantasy team. They actually together host the Philly Baseball Together podcast. Uh, Tori won this one 459 to 398. His top score is Christian Walker with 76 points, and Jason's top score is Nathaniel Lowe with 70 points. Brig went up against Jewel this week. Brig is Brigger Mortis. Jewel is Big League Chupacabra, and is my co host for the Seattle Baseball Together podcast. Jewel won this one big time 479 to 329. I'll give Brig a break because he's on vacation. Jewel's top score is Paul Goldschmidt, 65 points. And Briggs was Will Smith with 59. And then going into the last matchup, I did not do well. <laughs> it wasn't the lowest score for the week, but I didn't do well. My team name is Julio Think You Are. I went up against our listener participant, Mike, who is Devastation Incorporated. He won this one 564 to 457. His top score was Matt Olson, who had a heck of a week with 70 points. And... Um, and my top score is Dominic Smith with 62 points. So I fall to 5 and 10. Mike is at 12 and 3. Brig is also 5 and 10. Jewel is also 12 and 3. Um, Tori is 6 and 9. Jason is 9 and 6. John is 1 and 14. And Denise is 10 and 5. Uh, I think that's three losses in a row for me. So that means that I'm going to have to change my team name going into next week. And I believe I'm just going to change it to the team name I was going to use next year. Uh, so you'll have to wait till next week to find out what exactly that is going to be. But baseball family, thank you so much for joining me this week. Really appreciate it. Uh, don't forget to like, subscribe, rate, and review the show. Let me know what you think about what Brig and I are doing on a week-to-week basis when Brig is here. Because it's, I feel like it's even better when he's here. Um, and if you really want to support the show financially, you can do that. You can hop, o- hop over onto Patreon and search Baseball Together, or there's a link in the description of every single episode. and just send you directly there. Uh, we have $1, $5, $10, $15, and a $500 tier. You don't, don't, don't do the $500 tier. You can see what 
what you get, but don't do that one. Uh, the others you can get, you can means you can support the show every month for cheaper than what Brig pays for one of his bougie cups of coffee. And what you get with that, you get various items. One of them is a sticker. Everybody gets a sticker with your tier, and you also get the bullpen cut, which is the unedited version, with me stumbling through my different takes and edits on this episode. Because sometimes it takes me quite a bit to go through by myself because I can't just cut let Brig talk, so I kind of stumble over. Anyway, and I ramble just like I am right now. But baseball family, thank you so much for joining me this week. I will catch you next week. Mm-hmm.